0: Good morning. Listen, I'm a whole new person when the sun's out, okay? There's like a joy in my heart. There's like a dance in my... Yeah, we had like an impromptu uh, dance party this morning, um, even though it was like two of us dancing. Uh, it's just when the sun's out, you're just like, yes, Lord. It felt like Seattle, no shots at Seattle, for the past week, where the clouds are out, and you just wake up and it's just like... More rain, more rain. Happy March. I can't believe we are in March. February was like a drive-by, like, and it's just gone, you know. It's like, hey, go ahead, bye, and then we're out of February. And not only are we just meeting March, we are on the fifth day of March. Time flies. There's a lot of March things going on. Um, Thankful that you guys are here. You guys look beautiful. Uh, we've been we've been in this series called Welcome to the Table. And if this is your first time here, welcome to the table. Welcome to the table. And we're talking about all the ministry that happened around the table when Jesus, especially in the New Testament, when Jesus was walking through, he was always at a table. And at the table, so much happened. There was so much life, so much ministry, so much love, so much correction. Everything happened around the table. And last week, we talked about faith. Um, And last week, if you were in the second service, I think we experienced that message more than I preach that message. Right? There you go. And so uh, this week, uh, we're talking about welcome to the table of humility. Woo! Humility! Woo! Um, I could be wrong in this. Can I, how many people grew up in church? Can you just, I just need to show hands. Okay, okay. So good, good amount of you. Online, can you raise your hands? So I could? Just kidding. Um, so if you grew up in church, and I'm, I could be wrong about this. I'm willing to be wrong. But if, when, if you grew up in a church context, anytime they would talk about humility in the Christian context, I always felt like they talked about you being a doormat. Right? Does anyone feel that like anytime you heard a sermon about it, it's just like you're supposed to allow people just to walk all over you? And I'm like, not with this personality, Lord. Like, <laughs> I'm from New York. <laughs> uh-uh. And so like anytime it was taught in the Christian context, it's like you're supposed to be a wet noodle or something like humility, have no backbone. And that's not what it is. Okay, that's not what it is. Or if you were, if you're a female and I'm not mansplaining this. I talked to a friend who talked to, she talked to a group of females. He talked to a group of females. Um, or if you're, if you're young in the church or you're female in the church, they would say things like, be humble just to silence your voice. Right? Ladies, can I get a testimony? Yep. And it's just like, they wouldn't even, they would weaponize that statement to be humble just to silence you. And you're like, I'm not even being prideful. Like, you literally asked a question, be humble. Anyone ever grew up in the church that way? Where you couldn't walk across this room and someone's like, you're prideful. How? I'm breathing. <laughs> like, I'm living. I'm not doing anything. I'm not saying anything. And so I say all that to say today as we talk about humility, it is not to beat you up. Because I find that no one, everyone tells you to be humble, but they don't give you a framework to be humble with. It's just be humble. Oh, okay, how do you do that? And they're like, uh, uh, go clean that up. That's your job. That's not, that has nothing to do with humility. And so I wanna offer some structure and some framework about what is humility? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it sense like to operate in humility? And I wanna start off by saying in order to define humility, we have to tell you, I wanna tell you what it's not, okay? Like, first of all, we have to understand That there is not a sin that exists that is not rooted in pride. All sin is rooted in pride. If you trace it back, it's all pride. The sin of lust is rooted in pride. The sin of uh, greed is rooted in pride. All sins that we commit are rooted in pride. Pride is the originator of all sin. And it's through pride, it's through sin, does pride reveal itself. It was the primary sin that would remove the enemy out of eternity. It was the primary sin that got Adam and Eve removed from the garden. Pride is the root of all sin. The reason why you are rebellious unnecessarily is because of pride. And there's a lot of things that, there, that you have pride in where if you look at some of the things, and even some of the things where you think like, oh, that's not, that's not pride, feeling like you're undeserving of the grace of God is pride. All right, I want to tell someone that right now, and you may be like, what? Having this feeling of like, oh, I could never go to church. I could never be around those people. I'm so evil. I'm so wicked. It's a form of pride. And no, it's a low self-esteem form of pride, but it is is a form of pride. It is. Pride is the original sin. It's it's, everything stems from there. A.W. Tozer said, and they're going to throw it on the screen because, you know, I'm getting better at this. In every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do the dying. Oof. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness in spiritual sterility. Ain't that a statement? We sit on our own little thrones. Pride is not allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your thoughts and actions and perceptions. When I see someone yelling at someone on Instagram about a political view, hello, pride, how are you? When you're not willing to, to allow the Holy Spirit to nuance you in areas in which he wants it to nuance you, that's called pride. It's this unyielding place of my thoughts are greater than his thoughts. My ways are greater than his ways. I will not yield to the Bible. The Bible needs to yield to what I believe in. That's pride. That's pride. And listen, I don't preach from a place of have attained it. I preach from a place of like, I fight this every day. It's pride to scroll on Instagram and be like, why are they doing that? How come they get, that's pride. It's pride to think that no one in this building, no one in the church space will love you. It's pride. Pride will keep us from experiencing all of God. Some of us haven't experienced all of God because we haven't killed our pride. And yet Tozer is saying, take yourself off the throne and die the same death Christ died. Not literally, but physically and mentally. Die to yourself. Die to what you want. There are many things in my life, and some of you guys have known me for longer than just being a pastor, that the Lord has had to kill in me. Has had to lay it to rest. Okay. I'm not beating you guys up. Jesus, you have to understand. I looked up the definition of humility, and a lot of the definitions made it sound like if you're going to be humble, you had to be like a wet noodle or a pushover or a doormat. And so I didn't like any of those. It was just like, you know, this frail, like, you know, just let anyone blow you over. And you're just like, ah. That's not humility. Jesus walked in humility and flipped tables at the same time. Jesus walked in humility and rebuked Pharisees at the same time. Jesus walked in humility and knew when to speak and when to stay quiet. Jesus walked in humility and was poor, not because it was a fashion trend or a trendy thing to do. He wasn't a trust fund kid that he decided to be poor. Jesus walked in poorness because he's like, I want to understand what the human experience is like. So here's, I have a working definition of biblical humility, if you could just throw that up on the screen. Humility is reverence for God, is reverence for and towards God with thankful confidence for my identity in him. Humility is reverence for and towards God with thankful confidence for my identity in him. Humility is going before, it must start with the fear of the Lord. That's Humility. Fear the Lord. That's humility. That's where it all begins. That's where it starts. It's putting God in his rightful place and keeping me in my rightful place. That is the beginning of humility. The moment you elevate yourself above God, the moment you elevate your actions above God, congratulations, you have yielded to pride. If you've ever said, well, I don't think God would, of course you wouldn't think God would. You're not God. I don't think God would really He does everything he wants, the way he wants, in the unique ways. God will never operate outside of holiness. So whatever he does is within the realm of holiness. And if he wants to do it that way, he's going to do it that way. The most blasphemous thing I've ever heard is that God is prideful. Who's the judge of that? Us? In our frail understanding of life? Come on. Humility is reverence for and towards God. It must begin with the fear of the Lord. With thankful confidence. It's thankful confidence. So that means to tell me that humility is not me being a wet noodle or it's not being me without being a backbone. There's a confidence in humility that says, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know all that he's prepared me for. I know all that he sets aside for me. I know who I am in Christ. There's a confidence in that, right? There's a confidence in saying, I'm humble because I know who I am and I know whom I belong to. Humility is a practice. It's in your lifestyle. See, when you understand like this definition, when you understand this perspective... Of humility, you start to understand that I don't have to strive for anything. I don't have to compete with nobody. I don't have to be peanut butter and jealousy of nobody. I can just be me. Some of you guys are going to get that later this week, like, oh, peanut butter and jealous. I get it. I get it. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be angry that someone else attains or achieves something that you've been working towards quicker, faster. You're not at that because you have this thankful confidence of, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm secure in who I am. I know what he's brought me to and what he's brought me from. Identity begets humility. Identity must become before humility. Identity must come before humility because if you don't know your identity in Christ, how could you be humble? If you don't know who your father is, how could you be humble? So after when you have identity, then comes humility. And then after what happens with humility is like, wow, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know what he saved me from. I know what he's pardoned me from. I know that he put his spirit in me. I know he has promises to fulfill in me. So after humility must come confidence because you're like, whoa, I have all that I need in Christ Jesus. I don't got to argue with you and bargain with you for my future. You said you have a plan for my life. You said there's a plan and there's a purpose for me. So guess what? I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to go in this journey of life and try and contend with someone or work for a promotion or work for someone to acknowledge me or or try to get someone's attention to see that I'm worthwhile. I don't have to live in that place. I can confidently walk in humility knowing that everything he has for me is for me. Humility. Confidence. Contentment. Contentment. Paul said, I have all that I need. I am content. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I've been with both. I am content in Christ. And I'm not talking about lazy contentment where you're just like, it is what it is, poo. It is what it is, piglet. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a contentment of like everything I have is wrapped up in my father's name. And what I have right now is exactly what I need. So I don't. I have to, I don't have to... I don't have to bargain with anybody. I don't have to argue with anybody. I have what I need in Christ. And when you pray, you're saying, God, use your heavenly resources to impact the physical earthly realm so that all that I need can come and make itself present in my lifestyle. That's what prayer is. It's an invitation to God to impact the earthly realm with heavenly resources. That's an old definition. So then comes contentment. Why do you think Paul was able to say that when he was writing his letters? I have all that I need. And he was in prison. I have all that I need. There has to be a a confident humility in that to say, I have all that I need. Some of you guys right now are in tough spots or what you consider a tough space. You have your living conditions aren't great. Your job conditions aren't great. Whatever isn't great, it takes humble confidence to say i have all that i need i have all that i need and if i ever need anything i just gotta ask my my father i just gotta give him a call and he ends up providing it always he may not provide it when i want him to but he always provides it what if what if the root of all your problems were just simply steeped in pride what if you were able to put down all this contending and all this striving and all this thing and all this mocking and everything that would birth pride or what if you were able to put it down and say God, I'm not going to have anxiety. I know who you are to me. You're, my, you're Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. You're Jehovah Nisi. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're my peace. And I'm your child. What if all of your anxiety that you're taking medications for We're just a byproduct of pride, and now that we can identify it, we can say, I'm just going to be humble in Christ Jesus. And I'm not saying to put listen, if you take medication, take your medication, okay, because God can bring healing through that. But what I'm saying is think about it. Some of the anxiety, some of the depression, some of the angst of not having and the fear of the future, what if it was just a humble submission to say, God, I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I know that you bring it, so I'm confident in you. I hope some of you guys just got at peace right now. I saw some of your soldiers just kind of mellow out just a little bit. Like that little tension that's in your neck, where it's just like, eh, chill. What if it was just like that? All you, like some people, like when you're stressed out, all the not eating or overeating or whatever, if you were just like, God, you bring tomorrow. I'm confident of that. I'm confident of this one thing that I will dwell in the house of the Almighty. let go of the pride. Let go of the pride that you have to figure it out. Let go of the pride of I have to make this work. No, you don't. You just have to work. He makes it work. He makes it work. He works all things together for the good of those in Christ Jesus. He works it out in heaven and on earth. See, when I know my identity, when I'm thankful for that identity, I operate in fearlessness. I'm not scared. God forbid, if I were to die within—see, see, see, some of y'all. God is taking you on a journey to get to this place. God forbid, if I die within the next 24 hours, I know who I belong to. I have the confidence to say, when these two eyes close, they will open and be facing eternity. I have no anxiety about my tomorrow. I have no anxiety about where I'm going. I'm not scared about that because I have this humble confidence that the moment I wake up, I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. And some of y'all have anxiety with this Christian thing because you're not sure of who you are and who he is to you. Pride is keeping you from saying, Oh Lord, you're you're all I've got. You're all I need. You're all I ever know. And so whether I have it on this earth, I'm going to have it in heaven. It's humility to let go of your plans and to cling on to his. That's humble. You know how humble you have to be for Jesus to be walking on the beach, he just looks at you and goes, "Come and follow me." And you're like, "Oh, Lord, what about my 401k? What about my stock options? But Lord, how am I going to live?" Some of y'all said yes to Jesus, but you said no to the adventure that he'll take you on. God, I want you to play it safe right here, right where I know you can work this out. Because if you do anything wild, I can just go back to my fishing business. If you don't work it out, I can just go back to being a tax collector. That's what some of the disciples like. If, you don't, if this don't work out, I can just go back to my old life. Some of y'all speak to Jesus that way. I've done it. If you don't work it out, I'm just going to go keep doing what I've been doing because it works. And it's just like, yes, it works, but you are, your soul has also been dying. I'm, I'm getting off track. Holy Spirit, why are you be doing stuff like that? Like, I like it. Um, we're going to turn to Luke 14. We're going to start in verse 7. We see, starting, I'm going to set up the scene for you. I'm going to set up what happened. Jesus has been invited to the home of a Pharisee. A, Jesus be always goes to the home of the Pharisees. How dare he? If Jesus had an Instagram back then, he would have been canceled. Jesus, why I always see you at the Pharisee houses? Jesus was poor. They were feeding him. All right? He's like, I'm gonna take a meal. Y'all gonna learn a lesson, but I'm gonna take this meal. He's at the house of another Pharisee and he's at the table. You see, just because you're invited into a house of someone who's different, that doesn't mean you align what they align with, okay? That doesn't mean you believe what you believe. You have to understand that any time Jesus was invited to the house of the Pharisee, he was not co-signing their lifestyle. He just saw it as an opportunity for ministry. Some of you guys won't go to a certain person's house because of their lifestyle, and God is like, you're missing out on the ministry. I'm calling you to be a light in the darkness. I'm not calling you to be light among light. That's good. Thank God for that. But there are some people who invite, I could never go to their house. If someone saw me, you know what they believe. So, go be Jesus to them. Let them know what love looks like. Let them know what identity looks like. You can walk into that house and change the entire atmosphere because you carry the Holy Spirit within you. What a wild thought. So he goes into the house of the Pharisee. It says, verse 7, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at his table... He told them this parable. He said, when someone invites invite you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you both will come to you and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the place of least importance. You know how ghetto that is? Hey, rise up. mm 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 some of you guys are looking at me like you don't know what that's like. I know each and every one of you have went to a sports game where you sat in seats that weren't yours. And the person who owns the sheets show up and you're like, oh, uh, uh, this is not my seat. Um, yeah, let's. Yeah, I know because I've done it before. Where They're like, these are our seats. I'm like, you sure? Check your number again. Let's go. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. Y'all sitting in seats that don't belong to you. You know you was in the high row all the way up there in the nose, please. What you doing down here? So he's like, don't take the seats closer. Because someone will embarrass you and say, these are not your seats. You ever, I've done the walk of shame from a seat that wasn't mine. Just walked away and been like, I thought they wasn't going to show up. How are you going to show up the last couple minutes anyway, right? You start arguing. How are you going to show up in the last couple minutes? But when you're invited... Take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. All those who exalt themselves, God will humble, and all those who humble themselves, God will exalt. I had this thought. I have this thought. How many times in my own life have I hosted something only for Jesus to be sitting on the other end of the table away from me? How many times in our lives where have we hosted whatever it is and we have people of significance to the left and to the right of us I'm friends with this person because they're in this business and they're going to get me here. I brought these people because they're very important in this business. You know, this is how Hollywood works. I got to get all the, the, all the people who have influence around me. And yet Jesus sits somewhere else further away from me because he's like, I didn't set this table. That's, what, that's a thought that I've had, that there are many times where I've set up things in my life in my own pride, in my own arrogance, and I'm like, man, I want to get connected to these people, because when I'm connected to these people, it'll bring me some sort of significance here. And yet Jesus is like, nope. Nope. And I always find that in those moments, that when I set this table and I get the people of influence, around me, they end up taking more than they deposit. And yet Jesus is like, man, if you just sat next to me, I would give you more than you've ever deposited. And then I find when I allow Jesus to set the tables of my life, I never end up at a table that I'm not supposed to be at. See, pride will keep you at a table that you're not supposed to be at. It'll keep you putting out from your emptiness at a table that you're not supposed to be at. And then you wonder why, why am I so broken? Why am I so exhausted? Why am I so tired? Why am I so empty? Why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Why, 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 why? And Jesus was like, get up. I didn't set this table for you. You set this table for you. Get up. Humility will quickly realize I'm not supposed to be here. Why am I trying to organize a place setting that Jesus already flipped? Why am I trying to do this? I just want to sit next to Jesus. You see, that's what he did. That's what he uses this parable. But you have to understand, that's what he did for your life. Because by the word, you were one of the worst sinners. But yet, when Jesus died and his blood was poured out, he goes, hey, you don't have to sit all the way back here. You're a child of the king now. Come on. I want to move you up closer to me. I want you to sit right next to me. I want to be where you are. You're going to be where I am. You see, the blood of Jesus only allows you to get closer to Him. You can sit right next to Him and not feel humiliated. That's the beauty. See, this is where the confidence part of the definition comes in. This is where the co- anyone ever walked into their parents' house and say, "Can I sit at your table?" No. Some of y'all walk into your parents' house and you just go. Bam, bam, leg up, foot up, arms out, belly out, everything. You're just like, yeah, this is my house. That's, don't you know that's the confidence that the Lord says approached me with? Because your identity is in me. You know you always have a place at my table because your confidence is in me. Your identity is in me. So you never have to ask, can I sit at your table? Because you know where he sits at the head and you know where you sit. So you can sit at the table with humble confidence. I belong here? Because some of us, the reason why we're not sitting at the table is because we're not too sure about God's identity in our lives. We're not too sure. And so we'll sit and we'll look at the chair and we'll say, I don't know if I can sit here. And yet God's invitation is like, no, 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 come. Sit at this table. I saved you. I redeemed you. You have a seat here. You can sit at this table with humble confidence in knowing who you are and who I've called you to be. But that's what pride will have you do. That's what pride will have you do. Your attitude, your attitude is a foundation in which actions are built. So when you're prideful, you're always looking for people. Again, we've talked about this before, right? We've talked about this, the whole orphan mentality. See, the orphan, the orphan mentality will have you in pride saying, I need to get people of significance around me so that I can be elevated. And yet Jesus here says the entire opposite. He's like, man, no, 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 humble yourself before the Lord and I'm going to lift you up in due time. I always find that when I, when I promote myself and I try to lift myself up outside of the Lord's will, it never lasts. It's like a literal high, like, yes, I got promoted, I'm happy, I'm up here. And then it's just like, oh, I don't really love this anymore. But when you allow the Lord to lift you up in due time, he creates a structure to maintain you during the time. Now it's like, oh, because you have humble confidence, it's not in what you're doing, but it's what, in he, what he's doing through you. There's this, that's what it is. There's this orphan spirit. The orphan spirit is a byproduct of pride. I need to get all I need to get for me. I need to hustle and get for me because if no one else is going to get for me, I got to get for me. Me, 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 me. I got to do it for me. That's the root of all Pride. The enemy, the reason why he fell from heaven, because he felt like I should be getting this worship. I should be doing this. Iniquity was found in his heart. Pride is just the bigger focus on me. But humility says, I know my identity in God. I don't have to focus on me because God is focused on me. I can focus on my brothers and sisters. I don't got to focus on me. God's got me. He's looking at me. It's only through confident humility are we allowed to approach the throne of God. Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence. The only way you have confidence is if you know your identity. You have to know your identity in the Lord to approach Him with confidence. And I'm not talking about arrogance. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. It says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. James 4, 6-7. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. A proudful orphan says, I don't got to sit at this seat. To get what I need, I can do it myself. But God says, the humble says, I don't deserve this. But I know my identity and my father so I can sit here confidently. Hear me when I say this. Confidence. Where, where do you guys think confidence comes from? Where does it come from? How do you, how do you grow on confidence? How does anyone grow on confidence? You want to know how you grow on confidence? You write this down. Two words. Time spent. Time spent. You want to grow in confidence? Spend time with your father. You want to know how Steph Curry can take the shots that he takes? He has spent time with that shot over and over and over and over. And he's had a lot of misses and he's had a lot of makes. And he's been over and over. So why do you think in the game he shoots that shot and he turns around and runs down? Because in his mind, he's like, I've already seen it go in. See, a lot of us in this room, the reason why we lack the confidence in the humility that we have is because we don't spend time with our father. We don't spend time. I played basketball for years. There are certain shots on the court I know I'm going to make because I have the confidence, and I was hitting them in practice. So I have confidence when I shoot. There are some shots, it's just like, you know, why are you taking that shot? Some of y'all are shooting your shot at the wrong person. be like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Confidence. If you are not spending time with the Father, how do you have humble confidence? Write this down as well. This was a good one. This was a good one. Write this down. Confidence is mistaken as arrogance to those who are insecure. Confidence is mistaken as arrogance to those who are insecure. Confidence (laughs) is mistaken as arrogance to those who are insecure. See, when my brother or sister in Christ, they're not spending time with the Lord, they're not spending time with their father, they're going to see all of my gift as arrogance. Who do you think you are? You're being arrogant. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. Please don't confuse the the two. I'm confident in the gifts that he's given me. I'm confident because I've spent time I've spent time with him. I'm confident that when he gives me a word, I can preach it with excellence. I'm confident because I've spent time with him. So it's not a point of arrogance. Growing up, there were times, and hear me too, unchecked confidence, if you get a little too confident, it can become pride, quickly. The reason why I'm confident is because I know who the gift belongs to. I know it's not my gift. I know he gave it to me to steward, but he could take it away at any moment. See, when you understand where your gift belongs to, you can operate in confidence and stewardship because you know this is not mine. When I get a microphone in my hand, this microphone's not mine. This voice isn't mine. This is a time to show my father the gift that he's given me and say, it's yours, and when you decide to take it, you decide to take it. That's humble confidence. But someone who's insecure and they don't spend time with the father, they don't spend time in their word, of course they're going to look at all your gifts as arrogance. Because they don't know who their identity is. How can you tell someone with no identity how they can be confident of their identity and of their gifting? I mean, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. There are times when we had church mothers and church fathers call me out and be like, you're being prideful. You got some pride. And I, you know what You know what humility says? I could look at them in the moment, and the Lord would just be dealing with my heart. And he'd be like, yeah, that's, you're being arrogant. You're being arrogant. You're being prideful. But you want to know how, what happens after you spend t- enough time with your father that when someone's like, you're being arrogant, you're being prideful, you could be like, Lord, is that true? And the Lord would be like, mm-mm. They're dealing with their own insecurity. They're just projecting their own insecurities. Some people don't like you because of how confident you are in the Lord. And that's not your problem to work out. That's theirs. There are things that, listen, and this is how I I dealt growing up. There are things that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ would uh, hold me accountable or speak to me on. And I would say, Lord, if there's any truth in this, bring this back to my memory. If there's any truth in this, bring it to my heart. Let me wrestle with it. Let me struggle with it. And, Lord, if there is no truth in it, if it's coming from their own insecurity, let me forget about it. Because here's the thing about pride. Pride. When you struggle in a certain way with pride, it's very easy for you to identify it in someone else. It's very easy, it's very easy. The problem as believers, what we have is that we'll see someone struggling with pride and we'll see someone struggling with a certain pride that we struggled with and then we're like, we get frozen. Should I say something? Should I not say something? Who am I to say something, right? Anyone else have these thoughts, just me? Should I say something? If I say something, are they going to get mad? Am I going to lose this friendship? Well, I just see it and I want to, listen, if you saw a car about to come and hit me, wouldn't you run and push me out the way? Some of you would be like, oh, no. But the ones who care, you would run and push me out the way. In the same way, if you see pride about to eat up someone's life, wouldn't you run and push them out the way and be like, bro. And here's, here's what humility sounds like. Here's what humility sounds like. It's not a condemnation. See, this is why it's so interesting when some saints want to call out someone else's sin and we want to highlight other people's sin and make it this big thing. Can't you believe that they did this? Can't you believe that they did that? You know what the humble say? Man, I struggled. I got my own sin. I would, I'm going to come alongside them and lift them up. What would, what would forgiveness look like? What would the, the church would transform If we saw some pride in someone's life and we came alongside them and said, hey, let me know if I'm wrong. I just see you struggling with this pride in your life. And I struggle with the same thing. And I got some freedom through it. Can I walk with you? Do you see that in your own self? If not, no worries. Maybe I'm wrong. But this is just what I see. This is how what your behaviors translate as. Can I help you with that? See, that's humility, because you're putting yourself out there to say, I struggle with the same thing. I am messy just like you. Pride, you know what it does? How could you do that? You all know some saints, we just highlight other people's sin to make our sin not feel as bad. Hello? That's why humility is just, that's why it says it just covers a multitude of sins. When you go before the Lord humbly, yet confidently, yet boldly, you don't look at someone else when they're struggling with their own sin as someone to condemn or someone to beat down. You see them as an opportunity to lift up. Hey, this is a time where I can lift you up because I've been where you've been. I've struggled with what you struggled with. Prideful people always feel attacked when you tell them they're being prideful. Always. Why are you coming for me? I'm not coming for you. I'm not coming for you. I'm here with you. I'm not leaving you. I just want to let you know like, hey, this is the area in your life. I got some friends who call me out. I hate it. I want to tell them to shut up to their face. But then I'm like, they're right though. Anyone ever get that delayed, That delayed their right? They by themselves. And you just be sitting in your chair, you be like. <laughs> Why they right? And you don't even want to tell them they right. You're like, yeah, we, a weeks later, you're like, yeah, remember when a couple weeks ago, you're like, yeah, remember when told me that little thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's working on it. But she was mad. Yeah, confidence is mistaken as arrogance to those who are insecure. See, the problem is they don't know who they are, and they don't know the gifts God gave them. So when they see someone operating in their gifts confidently, they label it as arrogant or prideful. And you know what that's birthed in the church that I hate? Fake humility. Fake humility. It's birthed it in the church. Because people don't know how to identify and encourage good gifts and someone exercising their gifts from pride and arrogance. And so now you're telling someone who is confident in their gift of healing or speaking in tongues or prayer or encouragement. You're telling them, oh, you're just being prideful. And they're just like, no, I'm exercising it. I'm trying to figure it out. But what happens is is that you have these church mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters who will beat someone down. And then all of a sudden they have this fake humility that's going on. Y'all know fake humility, right? When you tell someone, like, man, you did a great job. And they're like, it was all God, brother, all God, sister. It was all God, you know. It was all God. And, like, I've learned, like, no, if it was all God, it'd be way better. <laughs> I used to have to say fake humility. So I'd be like, man, that sermon was so good. It was all God. No, it wasn't. If it was all God, this whole room would be saved. It'd be everything. People would be turning out in this room. It wasn't all God. You want to know what humility sounds like with that? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fake humility always deflects the praises that you should receive. If you worked hard at something, learn how to just say thank you. By the grace of God, I was able to do this. Thank you. I know for some of y'all don't know how to just say thank you. I've had to learn how to just be like, Thank you. Or you know what fake humility sounds like when someone wants to bless you? <laughs> oh no, no. Mm, you sure? You should. Sure? Ah, nah. Not me. Not no more. Someone's like, I want to buy you milk. Thank you. Thank you. You want to buy me another? You want to buy me a drink too? Thank you. We got this. Like, and then you know, y'all y'all see it on social media. The humble brag. When someone posts something. Like I got a new car, and they're like, oh, look at this new car. I just want to think. Man, shut up. You just want a humble flex. I see you. Just exercise some meekness in your life. What is meekness? That's an old Bible word. Blessed are the meek. What's a meek? It's a mill. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of y'all got that. What is meek? It's having it and not flexing it. It's being so secure in your identity in Christ and understanding, like, I got this. I don't got to really show anybody. If I want to, I can, but I don't got to show anybody because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's humility. You don't have to flex it. It's saying, like, hey, I'm good. And, I could, and I'm not knocking you for posting about it. I'm not knocking you for posting about it. Some things are a testimony that you just gotta post about and be like, if you, let me tell y'all this story. I just wanna let you know now. If you type a long story, a lot of people don't read it. But anyways, you just wanna tell them the story. Just tell them the story of like, hey, this is what it is. It's a testimony, that's good. You wanna encourage someone else. But we know what a humble brag is. You wanna know what's another, another form of pride and pride comes in varying different ways or fake humility. A low evaluation of yourself. Someone be like, man, you, man, you look sharp today. Ah, oh, nah, these are rags. Man, just say thank you. Just say thank you. The most powerful thing you can do is just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for, you know, someone, said, tell, someone tells me now, like, ooh, you had a nice haircut. I know they meant to hurt me. I know their intention was mean, but I just be like, thank you. I know I look good. What would it be like if we just learned how to just say thank you, thank the Lord that he was able to provide? See, we gotta get out this fake humility stuff. See, when you don't know how to receive a blessing or a compliment, that's, and the Lord is not impressed because you were like, oh, you know, it's all God. He, that doesn't impress him. When someone who is truly humble, they learn how to say thank you because they're like, the Lord has provided this thing, so thank you. Whether it be a car, a new job, a spouse, a fr- whatever it is, a friendship, you just can say thank you. I'm just so thankful that he provided. He always does. I'm going to close here. I hope this message has been just causing you to think of like, man, what are some areas that I've been prideful in? The best, if you want to ask the Lord a question, Lord, what are some areas that pride still exists? He'll reveal it to you. It seems, I'm going to close with this verse, it seems to me as if humility is thinking of yourself with honest evaluation in view of the teachings of Jesus. That's humility. It's evaluating yourself according to his scripture. Not to the world's standards, not to your parents' standards, not to your sibling standards, but evaluating yourself honestly into the standards of scripture. Some of us are constantly evaluating ourselves to a standard that our parents, grandparents, friends, society has placed on us, and we're just tired. So it's forced us to this place of pride where you're like, I just got to do me, and I just got to be about me, and I just got to get me. But when you're a child of the king, it's different. It's this confidence of like, you know what? I'm just going to do what the Lord tells me to do. And whatever comes of that, comes of that. But I know he holds it all together. In Romans 2, 3, it says, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. It doesn't say measure yourselves by keeping up with the Kardashians. It doesn't say measure yourself by what kind of purse, what you own, the materials you have. It doesn't say measure yourself by the job that you have or how many figures you make. It doesn't say any of that. It says measure yourselves by the faith God has given you. That's how we're supposed to measure ourselves. Humility is reverence for and towards God with thankful confidence for my identity in him. It's my identity in him. There's no confidence in my flesh. There's no confidence in what I'm doing. And the reason why he calls us to be humble, the reason why we're called into humility is because in scriptures it says that Jesus didn't even consider equality worth God something worth flexing that he made himself lower than the angels. You think when Jesus walked this earth, his humility was a weak noodle, it was something soft? No, Jesus had this bold confidence. How do I know it was this bold confidence? Because he called God Father in front of everybody. That's a bold confidence. It was, it's confidence, it's humble confidence that he lays his hands on lepers and heals them. It was confidence that he brought someone back to life. It's that humble confidence that Jesus exercised week in and week out in front of millions of people. Because he knew who he was. Even when the Pharisees would say, how could you say you and God are one? Because he's my dad. Humility is thankful confidence. Knowing who I am in Christ Jesus. My prayer for us today is that when we walk out of here, we walk out with humble confidence. Confidence that would make us content and say, I have all that I even need in Jesus. The way I look, the way I sound, it was all intentional for a purpose. And I'm confident of this one thing that I will see the glory of the Lord. My confidence is not in myself, it's in Jesus. And whatever gifts that He's given you, work them out confidently. If He's given you the gift of encouragement, encourage someone boldly. If He's given you the gift of prayer, pray strong. He's given you the gift of preaching, teaching, speaking in tongues. Do it to the best of your ability for the glory of the king. Do you guys receive that today? Amen. You guys can stand with me. Can someone give me a communion cup? If you're online and you're watching this online, I want you to take communion with us. Um, I need one. If you're like, oh, pastor, I'm in my house. I don't really have anything for communion. Find some liquid and some solid, and it's communion. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. Does anyone not have a a communion cup? There you go. Raise your hand. Jake was going to bring you one. Before we take communion, it said that we should go into this sacrament with clean hands, a pure heart, and a clean head to purify ourselves before the Lord. And that doesn't mean we have to do the work on our own. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com slash give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.